Hey everyone, Jason Malone here. Welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted to say thanks for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and your generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash give to get started. Thanks so much for your support and we hope you enjoy today's episode. You look back at verse 19, the tone of this meeting, this gathering with the disciples before Jesus shows up, it isn't one of celebration. Did you catch what it said? On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Again, I know sometimes if you go back and you read a biblical account and you read a story, for some of you, it's easy to put yourself in there in that moment. For others of you, it's a little more difficult, but imagine what it would have been like to be there. They're not rejoicing over what Jesus has accomplished. They are afraid. Tangible, palpable, real life fear. The Jewish leaders have crucified their king, the one that they had left everything to follow after. So in their minds, their death is inevitable and it could happen at any moment, thus the door being locked. Their thoughts are anxious, fearful thoughts, consumed with the unknown of what might happen next. And without any notice, and without any invitation, and without anybody opening a door, Jesus, not a spirit, not some mystical being, the resurrected Jesus comes in and stands among them, and the first thing out of his mouth is, peace be with you. How great is that? Think about it. How would those words land on you if you were there when Jesus walked in, if you'd been living the life that those guys have been living? Perhaps in that moment, their minds go back to the night that they were out at sea with Jesus and they're on the boat and the huge storm comes and they're terrified and Jesus stands up and he says, peace be still. And the storm stops immediately. When he walks in and says, peace be with you, maybe they go, oh yeah, I've heard that before. It should have been a reminder when Jesus says, peace be with you, it should have jolted their minds and hearts to remember that wherever Jesus is present, peace is present. You know that, right? But they're afraid, locked behind the door potentially afraid because they don't know what to anticipate from the one that they've abandoned that just walked in. They had turned their backs on him, yeah? They had denied him, right? You know the story. I think they would have every reason to believe the relationship with the one who just walked in the room is a broken relationship. But the first words out of his mouth are, peace be with you. And in that moment, they deserve everything that they are thinking, no matter what it is they're thinking. If they're thinking about shame and condemnation and judgment, all that's deserved. I think they know that. Verse 20 says, when he had said this, peace be with you, he showed him his hands and he showed him his side. He said, look guys, everything you heard me say, everything you saw me do, it's all true. All the promises of God are true because all of them find their yes in me. That's what's happening in this moment. Like, did they recall Isaiah 53? They they would have all known Isaiah 53. When Jesus walks in and shows them his hands and his side, do they remember Isaiah 53? He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. It was one whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that, here it is, brought us peace. And with his wounds were healed and all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every single one of us. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Jesus walks in and goes, peace be with you. Look at my hands, look at my side. I am the one that Isaiah pointed to, guys. I bore your grief. I carried your sorrow. I was pierced for your transgressions, all of them. I was crushed for your iniquities and upon me was placed the chastisement that has brought you peace. Peace be with you. I'm the risen Jesus. I don't know what your fear or your anxiousness is, but I'm telling you, Jesus speaks to it. There he is, unannounced, uninvited. He comes and he stands among them. He speaks into their fear, shows them the distinct nature of his resurrected body. And in this moment, I think something profound happens. It's not just about being afraid anymore. There's a trust here. There's a gladness is the word that's used. I love that word. They were glad it's Jesus. But they're gonna leave, like they were in this room with the door locked. They're gonna, you continue to read as this story continues to unfold. They're now gonna be sent out on mission. Verse 21 says, peace be with you as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And they're gonna possess God's power to accomplish the purpose because Jesus says, I give you my spirit. You're empowered for my mission, so go and glorify me. And it worked. How do I know it worked? We're here celebrating this. Can I practically encourage you with a couple of things? Every single anxiety, every fear that consumes you, and I know some of you in the room have a lot of fear and anxiety, even the ones that don't currently have a name or a face. The risen Jesus knows all about them and he sees where you are and he does understand. Psalm 56, verse eight. If you, are, uh, if, if you have a tendency to be fearful and anxious, I'd love for you to jot this one down and memorize it. It's real short, it's easy to memorize. David uh, writes this Psalm and he's gripped by fear, stuff going on. And he says this, he says, you, O Lord, have kept count of my tossings. That's a good Psalm if you have some fear and anxiousness in your life. You, O Lord, have kept count of my tossings. He is not far off, he is not distant, he is not removed from your tossing, no matter what your tossing is. The thing that is keeping you up at night currently, finances, all the stress of this present season, the unknowns that you cannot control. He sees you, he understands you. Every tossing, even the tossings that you cannot name, he counts them. He's able to meet you where you are. Who is? The resurrected Jesus is. True peace is the ever abiding presence of God. You see what peace is for these disciples? Their fear is replaced with peace at the moment they become aware that Christ is present among them. That's where peace is found. In Jesus, you can't buy peace. You can't have it shipped from Amazon. You won't find it in the prescription you're currently abusing or another drink after another hard day because you just need to take the edge off. You won't find it in your husband. You won't find it in your wife. You won't find it in your child. No matter how much you keep projecting your wishes and desires on those you love to validate you, to make you feel better about a past that has disappointed you, and let you down. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. And I don't care if they change your title or give you more money. You won't find it there. And from what I understand from a lot of other people, you won't even find it in retirement. Listen, peace always begins and ends with God on our behalf. Peace with God. There is no peace apart from the risen Christ. That's the reason this is such incredible news. Through his life and death and resurrection, he has satisfied the wrath of God towards our sin. And he has made peace with God. And that is received by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And listen, listen. Once we are at peace with God, then we have the peace of God. That's how it works because he's the prince of peace. And that should consume our heart and rule over our minds. And it does get worked out in our lives by the spirit 
over the entirety of our life. The remedy for your fear and anxiety is one dimensional. It's God himself. You won't find it anywhere else. It's not the favorable outcome. It's him. It's not having all the answers to our deepest questions. It's him. It's not the removal of the difficulty. It's him in the midst of the difficulty. It's not comfort. It's not ease. It's not a worry-free life. It's him. So please let this resurrection day remind you again that your anxieties and your fears, they don't have the final word. Jesus had already said this to these guys before he died and he came walking out of the tomb. Earlier in John, he had already said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not like the world gives peace. That's not peace. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's almost like everything Jesus had been saying, he comes walking out of the tomb and said, told you so. Just making good on my promises because they find their yes in me. Interestingly enough, all the disciples were there that day except for one guy, he wasn't there. His name's Thomas. Thomas was a disciple of Jesus, right? Yeah. Walked with him, talked with him, loved by him, observed the miracles, heard the encouragement, had his feet washed by Jesus, yet he doubted. When everything Jesus said would happen actually happened, because Jesus had been telling him it was gonna happen. When, his, when the buddies say, it happened, he says, I don't believe you. Maybe you're sitting at home today, you're watching online, or maybe you're listening to this at some other point in time when you're riding down the road. I don't know. No matter where you are today, if you struggle with believing that Jesus is who he said he was, would do what he said he would do, will do what he said he was gonna do, then I wanna let you know that what you're thinking and processing and wrestling with is not abnormal. You're not the first person to have deep questions. It's not necessarily unique to you. Your situation might be unique. And at the same time, I wanna let you know that Jesus wants to speak to it. What you're thinking and what you're processing, what you're wrestling with in regards to your doubts. How do I know that? Because I see how he walks with and speaks with Thomas right here. Verse 26 tells us that Jesus shows back up. All the disciples are there this time. Thomas is there. He goes, hey, Thomas, want to place your fingers in my wounds? These words, do not disbelieve, but believe. Isn't that kind, like, I don't, don't let it be lost on you that Jesus would have this conversation with someone who wasn't buying into it. Isn't that kind and gracious? Like, this should give you a picture of who Jesus is. He's kind, he's gracious, but he doesn't let it, he, like, that doesn't mean that he lets him live in his doubt. He doesn't just chalk it up to Thomas's personality or his disc profile or his Enneagram number or that maybe Thomas just had a tougher life than the other disciples, so obviously he's gonna doubt. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it down the line sometime. He very clearly and strongly and lovingly says, hey, Thomas, I'm here. Put your, uh, put your finger in my wounds. Do not disbelieve, believe. And what was Thomas's, his response is so great. Thomas's response is, my Lord and my God. Not because he touched the wounds of Jesus, but because he saw Jesus. And the resurrected Jesus is the only one that can move any of us from our doubts to actually belief. So here's what I know, I conclude with this. I, I know that there are some of you here, you're listening today, and here's what you would say. You would say, I know Jesus, I follow Jesus, and I just wanna remind you today as a follower of Jesus, and if you go, I got some grief and sorrow, and I got some fear and anxiousness, and I got some doubts. Yeah, it's okay, people wrestle with things. I have, I do, you do. It's legitimate thoughts and emotions, but Jesus speaks to them. He is our joy in the midst of our sorrow. He is our peace in the midst of our fear. In him alone do we place our faith in the midst of our doubt. 
not what other people are trying to peddle. And yes, the resurrection has implications for our future. We all have thought about that already today. But the resurrection has implications for the right now. And you see it in these interactions with the disciples full of fear, locked behind a door. They will now, peace be with you, sending you out on mission. From the doubts of Thomas to the belief, my Lord and my God, which interestingly enough is exactly how the gospel of John begins. Like this is the very beginning of the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word, Jesus, was with God. And the word, Jesus, was God. Isn't that wild? At the very end, Thomas believes and proclaims what John had articulated at the start of the book. It's a great bookends. There also might be some of you here today and you would acknowledge that you don't know Jesus. It's probable that you've heard of him, you've even read about him, maybe you sat in a church service where he was talked about. Maybe you've never been interested in a real authentic relationship with him. I use the words I've been using a lot this morning. You would say, I don't follow Jesus with my life. But maybe today, maybe in the past walking in today, you've been contemplating whether or not you should let Jesus speak into your life. You've pondered following him. You've grown increasingly interested in who Jesus is. So I want to encourage you to do something today. Um, I want to encourage you to read the gospel of John. Like if you're interested in knowing more about Jesus, who he is, what he teaches, how he made it possible for you to be in a relationship with the God of the universe, why what we're celebrating on this day is such a big deal to us. It means everything for those of us that actually follow Jesus. If you go, man, I got questions about that. I'm curious about that. I would love for you to get a Bible. would love for you to read the Gospel of John. And as you do, you're gonna to come to the end of the Gospel of John. We've been hanging out some there today. And you're gonna be reading along and you're gonna read these words. It's gonna say the purpose of this book. And then it's gonna have a couple of more verses in John 20. And these are the verses. I wanna read them over you right now. This is what it says. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Isn't that interesting? This wasn't all written down simply to amaze you, even though it is amazing. This wasn't all captured just so you can know some more stuff, even though there is so much that we can know and continue to learn. The Gospel of John was written so that you who have questions, you're curious, you're inquisitive, maybe even skeptical, can find out about Jesus. And in doing so, reading it for yourself, come to a place of truly believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And in your believing, that you would find life. The Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much for tuning in. Grace and peace to you for your week. We'll see you next time.